Hi, Vicky. Hi, Shane. What's your favorite movie? Empire Records. Really? Yeah. Do you know that movie? I do know that movie. I'm yeah. My the, the surprise of my voice is not specifically for it's a good movie. Um, yeah. My surprise is that it came to you that quickly. Oh yeah, I find I like it so much that I like will make weird references to it that nobody gets all the time. Yeah, I couldn't tell you um, like yeah. specifics of it or lines or something like that. Uh, yeah. But I am familiar with. Wow, that's impressive. Um, yeah. Yeah. Shoot. Do you, is, I guess my my second one would be Flash Gordon, but like the one from the 80s, which we don't have to talk about, but I just feel the need to say that out loud. No, I love that so much. Uh Yeah. Man, you are you're you're decisive. I um Yeah. Oh yeah. I I am not. Uh this was tough for me. I find it hard yeah. to have favorites in most media, if I'm being honest, just because I I I love media. I love movies and TV shows and podcasts and books yeah. and like I, I love it all. I'm such a I'm such a generalist. Um so I don't like, I, I can't answer this question. I created this prompt. I cannot answer huh? it. I thought about it for a long time and it just hurt my brain. Um yeah, I think something okay. like like The Empire Strike Back comes to mind because I'm a big Star Wars fan and I think that's the best sure. Star Wars movie ever made. I don't know yeah. if that's the best movie or my favorite movie. I will say though, because I see a lot of movies one of my okay. favorite movies in the past year was Top Gun Maverick. Oh. Okay. <laughs> the, I, the judgment <laughs> on your face. <laughs> I just feel like I didn't see it. I didn't see it. But Top oh, Gun. I, um, Top Gun's my husband's favorite movie. Oh, that's that tracks with a lot of people, especially, I will say, like guys of our age yeah. uh, of a certain sure. time. <laughs> the second one was fun. Know, yeah, well, I just want, I like my immediate reaction without having seen it and mm -hmm. without having watched anything more than the trailer is like overhyped. Oh. Or like, too, like, uh, nope. you know, it like, wasn't. People, I don't know, just riding on the coattails of oh, nostalgia. One 100%. And I have to be clear to everyone, this is not a movie criticism podcast. We are expressing opinions. I had a great oh, freaking sure. time with this movie. And I will say, seeing it in the theater was probably a different experience. I haven't watched it at home. And so I bet it's a little mm -hmm. bit of a different thing there. But holy cow, at least for me personally, it lived up to the hype. And I had a great time. I feel like... Maybe this is why you won't commit to having a favorite kind of media. Because as soon as you say something out loud, it just gets like ripped apart. <laughs> Whereas I said Empire Records. And you were like, oh, that's cool. All right. La, la, la. And you said Top Gun Maverick. And I was like, <laughs> no, thank you. You're the reason, Vicky. You're the reason why yeah. I can't pick a favorite. <laughs> exactly. Me and people like me. Science is fascinating, but don't just take my word for it. Join us as we hear stories from scientists for everyone. I'm Shane Hanlon. And I'm Vicki Thompson. And this is Third Pod from the Sun. We're talking movies today because, well, there, so there is a movie connection to this week's guest. So is, that's really cool, actually. So like Steven Spielberg? 
Yeah, yeah, actually. So uh, so this week on the pod, we're talking with Spielberg. Uh, he's going to tell us about Jurassic Park and the science behind... No, that would be fantastic, but that's oh, not what's happening. We really, we really buried the lead. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, there would be there would be no cold open for that episode. No. Absolutely not. No, uh, like, but hi, the, Steven. yeah, exactly. Hi, yeah, hi, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but I will say the the person we're talking with today, she's a fellow science communicator who's really focused on the public side of things, and so we're going to hear about what it's like to communicate for NASA, an unexpected career opportunity. Maybe it might be movie related. Ooh some obstacles she had to overcome throughout her career and some of the challenges she she, uh, sees ahead in the future of space exploration. So we'll get into it. And our interviewer was Jason Rodriguez. My name is Alex Lockwood. My employer is the Space Telescope Science Institute in Baltimore, Maryland. And my title role there is Project Scientist for web science communications. However, I am on an IPA detail to NASA headquarters, working for the Science Engagement and Partnerships Division in the Science Mission Directorate. So it's a little, it's a little confusing. Cool. Uh, what, what is IPA? IPA is an interagency personnel agreement. Uh, so it's an opportunity for Uh, nonprofits mostly taken advantage of by universities to share personnel with the government. And so it's kind of an an easy way to get some uh, experience in in other things. And and it's an opportunity between nonprofits and the government. Wonderful. And within that role and all those roles, what exactly do you do? So what I do now is I help facilitate the communications and engagement efforts for the science mission directorate. So anything that is a priority for NASA science for the month or for the year or the decade is something that I am focused on trying to help convey to the public and engage the public in. Nice. And I guess when you think back on it, what drew you first into science? What gave you that pull or push into it? So I think it was a combination of my parents encouraged me in science and mathematics. They they always you know believed in, in the rigor of science, even though neither of them were scientists themselves. But astronomy in particular, I would always look up. And it's not a natural habit, actually, of people to look up because evolutionarily, we look around us or we look down because that's where the prey and the predators are. And so looking up, uh, you know, I just always found myself looking up and, and wondering at the sky and, and just loving the possibility of, you know, what's out there and us being a part of it and learning about it. So um, it, you know, it, it, it developed into a career, but it definitely wasn't a, a straight line or, you know, super intentional. <laughs> sure. And what do you think drove you to, to, to look up in the first place, do you think? I just wondered, I, you know, I wondered what was out there. I wondered our place in it. It's, it's inspiring and also really humbling to know that we're part of something bigger, but such a small part. And I don't know, I could just stand outside, look up and get lost for, you know, for hours. I just, it just inspires my head to think and, and 
dream. I don't know. You know, you talk about looking at the sky as inspiration. Uh, I'm wondering if there's any other sort of inspiration that guided you in your sort of process. I've always been really geared towards helping people. And, you know, I have a, an atypical career path. And a lot of that was a transition more into being, working with people and helping people and inspiring people. My mom was a really generous, magnanimous person. And when I was growing up, I just saw her, you know, sort of reach out to help a stranger on the street. You know, she's very affectionate. And it was just installed for me from a young age that, you know, community is really important and it's everyone's responsibility to contribute to that community. And it just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, helping others feels good and that may sound really right, but it's really true. My interests have always been split. And fortunately, very, very, very incredibly fortunately, they ended up coming together. I ended up going to University of Maryland, which had a very strong astronomy program. And so I did astronomy, but I have always been passionate about Spanish and Spanish language. So I minored in Spanish. In astronomy, the sort of next natural step is to go to grad school. And I liked science and I wanted to you know, continue in that, but I also wanted to become fluent in Spanish. And I figured that my best opportunity to do that would be to take a year between college and grad school. So I deferred grad school admission for a year to go to Costa Rica and learn Spanish fluently. Then I went to grad school and I studied planetary science. I studied sort of the intersection between planetary science and astronomy, exoplanets and the formation of planets. And because I have this sort of inherent desire to be with people and help people, I got involved in a lot of outreach activities. When I was in grad school, both teaching astronomy and also doing other things, I was kind of a house mom for some undergraduates for several years, which included, you know, a lot of sort of mental health um, training for myself and then you know, helping, helping the students deal with crises. And then through that, I ended up getting cast in a movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, about graduate school. So there is a web comic called PhD Comics that I loved when I was in grad school. I would follow religiously and print out the comics and put them on the door of my grad school office and absolutely loved it. And then they ended up making a movie based on the comics and I ended up getting cast as the lead. And this was all through connections I had made doing things outside of grad school. So that was really uh, unique and interesting. <clears throat> and between sort of my own, you know, introspection in grad school and uh, kind of exposure and opportunities I had when the movie came out and sort of going on tour with it and getting a lot of fan mail of people saying, you know, I'm in grad school and your movie, you know, inspired me and it kept me going and thank you so much for giving a voice to our struggles and all of this stuff. And in all of that, I realized that I needed to get back to how I was helping people. 
uh, and society. And I came to the conclusion that the best thing I could do with my astronomy degree was to share astronomy with other people. Um, and so after grad school, I pivoted out of strictly science into science communications. That led me to take a job opportunity in Saudi Arabia for two and a half years. Again, because I didn't have any role models. So I didn't know that there was a job in science communication that I could have as a scientist. I saw some science communications jobs, but they were all open to people with communications backgrounds. And I just, I, I didn't think that there was a spot for me. I didn't know what my career would look like until somebody, you know, gave me an opportunity, but it was in another country that I never planned on going to. When I was back in the US, some, some people I'd worked with previously sort of heard about me and told me about this job opportunity at the Space Telescope Science Institute, which works on astronomy, specifically working for the James Webb Space Telescope. And the James Webb Space Telescope just launched. It's been a really cool thing. It is an infrared telescope, and I did all my undergrad studies in infrared science. So it was kind of a perfect fit because they were looking for a scientist to do communications. And it was right in my area of expertise. And so I've been doing that for several years. I did it all the way up to the first images that were released from the telescope in July, at which point I was offered a position to come over to NASA. You know, you talk about being in that movie and being the main character. And, you know, you also had opportunities doing like TED Talks and things like that. At what point, like, how did that, how did all that sort of fit into preparing you for where you are right now? Yeah. So where I am now is I'm at the point where I really, I'm able to help fit pieces together a lot, both because I have learned, you know, how to work in the business and communication sphere. I've learned, you know, the, the principles of communication and engagement, but I am able to use my deeper science background to put together a lot of puzzle pieces, um, which is important, you know, when in, you're talking about creating narratives for all of NASA science, because NASA science spans the sun and the solar system and the earth and you know experiments that we do out in outer space and the entire universe i just feel like i found a way to tie together my love of science and my love of people to you know to to ultimately share science with people you know and and work with people to to do that yeah i, I mean so many of my opportunities or like my you know i, I feel like i just kind of stumbled through life and not that I didn't work really hard, because every time I was on a path, I worked really hard, but I didn't know what the next step would look like at all. So it sounds like things went really well for her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she had a ton of success. But you know, kind of like a movie, there's always a low somewhere in all those highs. You know, you talk about all, how, you know, you didn't really know what was next and all these opportunities kind of just appeared. But was there any point in time where maybe something didn't go as planned that might have happened in that trajectory of your career path? After two years in grad school, I had to switch advisors. And, you know, and, and I went through some really dark times 
with that, I had a lot of mental health issues. Um, you know, I was seeing a therapist and, and I was very, very close to quitting grad school. Um, so it, you know, I, I personally, I have clinical depression. It runs in my family. And when I was in grad school at this time uh, is when it really came out and I had to start taking some medicine and, you know, we can go into, you know, what that looks like, but it, it is not something you can just take yourself out of ever. I, I am extremely grateful and fortunate for where I have landed, but it was not, you know, not only was it not like a straight path at all, but it, it was a really rocky path at times. Um, and, you know, all I could do is just keep, you know, being kind to people, working hard at whatever I could do at the moment, you know, whether or not that was directly my schoolwork or not at any given time <laughs> was, you know, the question, but, but yeah, you know, that's all I could do to just stay true to who I was. You know, you talk about sort of these hurdles, these sort of dark moments and your own mental health. I'm wondering, were there any other, were those sort of like the biggest hurdles? Being a woman um, is, you know, it, I, I, I would never say the sentence being a woman is an obstacle I have to overcome. Um, but I was, I, I have been the subject of plenty of sexual harassment. You know, it, I, I could tell you stories that would, you know, make your jaw drop. I don't let it get to me because that would be, um, counterproductive to where I want to be, but there have definitely been situations where I have questioned myself um, whether I should try to be more confident or be more humble um, because just purely of my gender. But I can't change that, so it is what it is. No, but so how do you how do you find that balance in, in yourself? Like, how do you find that? How do you how do you find that movement for yourself? Yeah, I mean. It, I, I, I love humor, you know, and so I, I can take a lot of, you know, I, I kind of just joke it away, you know, and, and there's, there's an incident that happened in grad school where an older professor told myself and my two male office counterpart, their colleagues, that they could, he could share, they could share me because they didn't have wives of their own, so they could share me. And so, you know, it's a decade later, more than that, and we still, we still joke about it. So a lot of humor to just take it in stride, um, you know, a lot of empathy to understand that, you know, sometimes people of a different generation or of a different upbringing, you know, have different expectations or understandings. And then it just, it takes a lot of building of one's own sense of self and sen like self-confidence to be able to say, oh, it's, you know, it's not me, it's them. I have my own value as a woman and outside of being a woman, you know, just as a scientist, as a person, as a communicator, as a colleague. So, but it, but it's, it's a long path and I'm surely not, you know, all the way down it. So yeah, there's, there's, there's tactics for handling it, but you know, I, I hope one day the, the whole issue itself can be better handled.
it's really interesting to hear how she dealt with some of these things. Like, being a woman in the workplace can be really hard sometimes, especially in certain fields. Yeah, and and it's... Um... Again, I'm not a woman in a workplace, but definitely can empathize and understand. And but from from some of these these challenges and really unfortunate situations that she had to deal with, uh, was able to overcome and really, I mean, the movie aside, which that's a big deal, uh, was really able to achieve some amazing things professionally. It, it's it's the James Webb Space Telescope. When I was interviewed for my position about six years ago now, there was several questions in the interview, but really the last one and the biggest one that they had for me was, how are you going to make James Webb Space Telescope a household name like Hubble? And, you know, it was kind of an open-ended question. I did give some ideas in, in, in the time, but it's kind of an open-ended question. And I feel like I can confidently say that we have made that happen. And it was a team effort for sure. I cannot take all the credit for it, but I was I was the leader of that team. And to see what Webb has become in the public eye as a source of inspiration, as you know, a component of pop culture now, I couldn't be more proud that I contributed to that. It was a huge mission from NASA that had a huge kind of target on its back because of its budget and the delays. And when the first images came out in July, basically like all of the ill will was erased. Everyone was a fan. You know, it was a worldwide phenomenon. And I had a big part in making that happen. And, you know, it, there was some headlines. I forget who, you know, what, what, I think it was the New York Times or something, but it was basically like, the web telescope images are like what humanity needs to bring us out of the like depression of the pandemic. Thinking back on some of your experience, do you have any sort of funny or memorable stories from the field or anything that comes to mind? I remember like finding my first trans-Neptunian object which is a, a Kuiper Belt object, like like the dwarf planets, but there's a lot more of them than aren't planet aren't dwarf planets. There's thousands of them out in the Kuiper Belt. And finding my first one, where like you're literally you're getting the images down and you're like comparing images from like now and 30 minutes ago to see if something's moved to, to find these objects, and that was really cool. Finding finding the first one, being like, oh, and I mean you're literally like a kid in real time, like oh I see it, I see it, you know, like I mean. Sitting behind, you know, working a telescope, you know, whether it's like a little, you know, eight inch one that you can have in your own backyard, or whether it's, you know, eight foot one that sits out on a mountain in Hawaii, just knowing that like, you have a direct capability to observe something that's really far away. You know, I mean, it, it just, it brings it right to you and it makes it so much realer that is that is one of my favorite feelings. It, it, you feel like you're controlling the universe because you're controlling this thing that gives you glimpses into the universe. So what's what's next on the horizon for you? What's what's going on? After I like delivered the first web image to the president, basically, 
I was like, okay, has my life peaked? You know, like, <laughs> is there anything I could do that's cooler than this? But as I said, I've, I've, I've moved into NASA headquarters, you know, and I'm at the position to really be able to help sort of improve some of those organizational processes. So getting to my like efficiency consultant piece, you know, NASA is amazing and nobody would ever question that NASA does amazing things. But just like for anything, you know, you get inside and there's like some pieces where you're like, this doesn't quite work. Why is that doing that? You know, and, and moreover, there's, you know, people who are frustrated with the processes. And so I'm fortunate to be in a position where I can come in and say like, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's help make things better. And, you know, and I kind of hope that, you know, sort of the next 30 years of my life is just helping NASA, you know, do what they do even better. Because, you know, it's, it's, it can only, you know, it's already awesome. You know, every, everything is just icing on the cake. And, you know, if I can be part of that and, and whatever new discoveries are coming, you know, with, you know, with the upcoming missions to asteroids and sample returns and return to moon and Mars and the next, you know, big flagship astrophysics observatory that's supposed to, you know, really understand exoplanets and, and search for life. There's, there's a lot of amazing stuff that's going to happen in the next 20 years at NASA. And I really hope to be a part of it and to be able to share that inspiration, that exploration, the, the possibility with the public. Because I think we all really need to know that we can reach our potential. And I think NASA helps, helps people understand that. So Vicki, what are you looking forward to in the next 20 years, professionally or personally, not to put you on the spot or anything? Oh my God, 20 years. <laughs> Can, will I be retired in 20 years? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't think that far ahead. I could barely think through the end of the year. I don't know. I guess I'll be... I. Oh gosh, this is so hard. Will, Shane. Will we still be doing this podcast 20 years from now? I'll still be thinking of what I'll still be thinking of the answer to this question in 20 years. <laughs> See, I I just constantly cheat and I don't even try cuz I can't look that far ahead, but I will say in the next 24 hours or so, or at least from when this will be released, I uh -huh. will be going to see the new Shazam movie, so that should be fun. I'm going to have a great time. Oh. Gosh. Like, the look of judgment on your face from Top Gun was one thing and the look on <laughs> Oh. There's just <laughs> Listeners, There's just, just so many... imagine it. It's amazing. It's so lovely. Yeah, just imagine my face. It's um, I don't know. There's so many. Like Shazam's a superhero movie. There's it so is. many. There are. I can't keep them straight. I you, you don't anyway, have to. It's just I don't have to. Silly entertainment thing. that I'm looking forward to. Good. Um, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for me too. Uh, <laughs> but on a on a more serious note, we wanted to wrap up with Alex by asking her for any advice for aspiring young folks to get into science. I would say that there are so many ways that you can get involved. It never hurts to have more scientific understanding if you wanted to do anything in science, but it doesn't mean you have to do, you know, you have to work in a lab or, you know, be analyzing data for the rest of your life. There's so many ways to, to get involved that, you know, you really just have to try a bunch of different things and, I think fortunately, you know, there's there's the opportunity nowadays to like spend all of your 20s trying different stuff, you know. 
So, you know, figure out where, where you can feel successful, because when you feel, feel successful, you're going to add a lot more value. Um, you know, I struggled feeling successful in science for a while there. And, you know, and I found that my real value was outside of the hard science of it. But, you know, you just, you got to keep trying, you got to try different things and, you know, and, and be nice to other people. It's really hard when you're in a, like, in a hard place and you feel like you're not succeeding to kind of build a, sh a wall, build a shell, you know, and, and be, be hard, you know, to, to go with that analogy, but everyone, everyone is struggling. And the more you can make connections with people, you know, the more you're going to be able to figure out how to work through things and, you know, the opportunities that are afforded, as I said, when you like cross disciplines, come together with other people, there's so many opportunities that come about when you're, when you're kind, um, that I think that's something that we often forget in science. If everyone just reminded themselves every day to just be a little kinder to themselves and also to others, I think we could find a lot more success instead of competition. Okay, Shane, so have you thought of a favorite movie of all time? No, I did not. Your favorite movie? Nope. No? I, nope, I wasted all this time and didn't do it. Oh. But I will say, this has turned into a movie podcast, so apologies for anyone who's not into that. But we, my partner and I did end up watching all of the Oscar-nominated Best Picture movies in preparation for the Oscars, which we didn't actually end up watching. I just, I, I, I like the exercise. I will <laughs> say, there is a donkey named Jenny in one of the movies who might be my favorite donkey of all time. So that that counts, right? No, it doesn't count. <laughs> and, and I feel like you just got the full EGOT. Yes. Trying to avoid this yes. question. You did a little singing earlier. You did. Oh, man. Your, yeah. And we talked about EGOT. We talked about EGOT in one of our previous episodes, too. So, yeah, exactly. Oh, man, I'm here for yeah. that. And I like I can't I can't top that. So we're gonna nope. we're gonna go out here, and with that, that is all from Third Pod from the Sun. Special thanks to Jason Rodriguez for conducting the interview, and to NASA for sponsoring the series. This episode was produced by Zoe Swiss and me, with audio engineering from Colin Warren and artwork by Karen Ramona Young. We'd love to hear your thoughts, so please rate and review us. And you can find new episodes on your favorite podcasting app or at thirdpodfromthesun.com. Thanks all, and we'll see you next week. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for being flexible with this. I'll put a time on for um, mid-next week to get yeah. the next one in before after I come back and before you're gone. Perfect. Cool. Where are you going? I'm going to Disney this weekend. Why? Because <laughs> it's great. It's a magical kingdom.